0: Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek
1: inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Kelly Duckhorn, who is the GM of Baldacci Family Vineyards. She is also part of a family who is one of the founding Napa Valley wine families. Kelly, it is so fantastic to be with you today. Your family has a legendary story, and you are such an amazing woman that I am so looking forward to this conversation.
2: Likewise, and thank you, Michelle, for taking the time to come see me in situ and not make me travel anywhere. So we're enjoying our lovely view of the Stag's Leap District out my office window, and it's a glorious day.
1: It is. It's always a beautiful day in the Napa Valley, don't this you is think? I do think. You are from this legendary family. You, of course, first worked at your family's winery. This is
2: true. Right? I in can, in yes. sales and marketing? Well, let's go back a little further. Okay. Let's Child be, labor? Yes. <laughs> yes. I have two siblings. And let's say that while well, many families allowed their children on a Saturday morning to consume a plethora of cartoons, we were roused at 8 to go pick up cigarette butts. Uh, Nicolich, though, don't you say? So it wasn't exactly slave labor. But my father had a very specific goal that we were going to be incredibly involved in the winery. So we came to the valley in 1972. The winery was built and fully producing wine in 1978. And I was, I'll reveal my age. I was eight when we moved here. So I was born in 64. So I have a long history, but you are correct. A professional title was bestowed on me as VP of sales and marketing, which, by the way, we only had about six employees. So it wasn't the title that people would assume <laughs> it might go with a large company. But it was great. It was great. And I have wonderful stories I can regale you with about those early days. I know. I can't wait to hear. Share one. So I was in high school, and these were the... Times where relationships were forged between wholesale partners, restaurants principally, just on a face to face. And so again, back to not being allowed to just languish and do nothing on a Saturday morning. This was more when I was in late middle school, early high school, loaded up the green family suburban, which we lovingly called the pig with cases of wine and drove with my father down to san francisco and delivered wine and i one of my most memorable occurrences was at the fairmont hotel and it was a labyrinth of underground passageways laundry hampers etc and that's where he delivered the wine
1: oh my gosh so it's fun when you were how old like eighth ninth grade oh wow! i couldn't
2: drive right when i did Obtained my driver license. Then I was the driver.
1: As you got older, graduated from high school at least, did you ever consider having a career outside the wine industry? To be honest, I had a very,
2: I guess, uh, thoughtful upbringing because we always worked with this wonderful Cooper family, the Nataliers from Bordeaux. So when I was 13... Jean-Jacques Nadalier came here to the valley to start selling his, at that time, two-generation cooperage barrels. And anyway, I began a pen pal relationship with their oldest daughter, Christine. As an aside, one of my favorite sentences. Of course, all Europeans speak English, but I didn't speak a lick of French. But she opened her initial letter with, I have a cat, he is dead, which was one of my favorite (laughs) memories with her. But anyway, post high school... I went and lived at literally left the day after high school graduation with the family for six months, and that would be the moment where I thought, you know, this is a really interesting industry. I I always I went to Berkeley for college, and so I was more thinking along the lines of Oxfam and Save the World, and you know, this was in the early '80s. But after spending six months with the Nataliers, and then I came back to Cal, studied. Economics and political science, kind of a dual thing. I I really became fond of the industry and the family agrarian piece. So Mm -hmm.
1: So you were hooked. I was hooked. Yeah. I really was. Talking about family businesses, your family eventually sold the business.
2: This is true.
1: How did you feel about that?
2: Well, by then I was long not employed by Duckhorn so it the first sale transpired in 2007 and I had already been gone from the company since 2002 so it was more a pride in my parents and all the long hours and years of putting their hearts and souls into the company but to still it was your namesake I know but there are a lot of examples in our industry mm-hmm. Behringer comes right. to mind Raymond I mean right. so you kind of Divest, and I was still working in the industry, mm-hmm. so it wasn 't like I was leaving the industry it wasn't like a selling a family business and then you do nothing right right so it it felt natural okay. it felt right, it felt great for my parents
1: okay okay that's healthy. That was good. You moved on. I did. Did you move on immediately to Baldacci?
2: No, so I had a couple of
1: other yes, stops along in between. The way?
2: Yes. So, I in 2002 partnered with a grade school friend and dabbled in olive oil for a year and a half really rugged industry. It's completely different than wine. It has a lot more to do with just normal, I think, grocery items stocking fees placement fees all kinds of stuff so it was hard and then I went to work for Ellers as the GM and I was there for eight years and that was super fun and it felt very good to be back in the wine industry and it was a little bit of a twist on ownership which was also intriguing and fun for me it was owned by a heart research foundation mm-hmm. and but most importantly it was a estate grown property mm-hmm. and At the time, the winemaker Rudy Zudima and I had such a ball. He was passionate about biodynamic farming, and we had a great team, and so it was super fun. And then I was wooed away by my youngest brother. He had become connected to a really interesting expat from Shanghai, and so I spent the next six years working with him. He moved full-time to Shanghai, and I commuted about, Four times a year, and we were exporting. If you view it from this side of the Pacific, top shelf, principally Napa Valley wines, into the China market. Mm. Super fun. Were you Very on the forefront
1: of doing that?
2: We were, in the sense, for California, the French have been there forever. Mm. So, as have other countries. But yes, it was really fascinating. To our target audience was younger, Western, aspiring. Really fascinated by Western culture. So people that were late 30s to maybe mid 40s. And it was... I love consumer behavior. So that's my background for the economic piece. And so it was just really interesting to try and figure out ways to connect wine to their lifestyle and how they might even be able to think about wine as a daily consumable.
1: Hmm.
2: It was fun. Really fun. So why leave? Um, Mostly my mother and so her health took a turn in 2015 david and i decided and i had ended up moving to shanghai and living there with him and we just both collectively agreed that it probably would make more sense to be back here so we closed up shop and came back Uh, yeah came back and honestly i knew before i went to china i went for seven months departing in spring of 2014 and I knew before I left that we were going to close up the company. Mm-hmm. And so I had interviewed with Baldacci and they had actually offered me a position knowing that I was going to be gone, but it worked out really well because I there's a utility in China called WeChat and so Michael Baldacci whom you met earlier and I did a WeChat twice a week which was it's kind of like a mashup of the old Skype and Zoom. So it was fun. Yeah, it was great. It was a good way to get to know each other without having to be present physically.
1: So over the course of the years, (laughs) working in the wine industry, you've seen women's roles evolve.
2: I have. And I would say I take a lot of leadership cues from my mother. She was amazing. She was the first woman to hold all four posts at the California Wine Institute. They have a protocol or regime so if you come in as the secretary you have to commit to four years and end as the president and those are some really wonderful years i was at ellers at the time very formative not only to me personally but she was just such a elegant eloquent speaker and genuine and so i think doing a lot of the work that the Wine Institute is best known for, lobbying efforts principally and being in Washington, D.C. It was really wonderful to watch her communicate the, the message of California wine to politicians. It was great. I really I took a lot of inspiration from her. She, it, again, she's very gracious. She makes wine feel like it should be part of your lifestyle, not a commodity that should be traded for the highest price. Right, So it was great.
1: Where do you think women stand now in the industry? Do you think that they're holding more? I certainly think that they're holding more leadership roles. Do you think they're holding 25% of the leadership roles, 20%?
2: I don't know because when you say industry, I really am very myopic on, I I, I really only know Napa Valley. I, I'm not a very good- You can talk Napa. Yes. Yeah, so I couldn't make a good estimate based on the industry. I would say just off the cuff, probably close to 30%, 40%. And that includes everything, but roles that are managerial, decision maker, People that are really moving the dial. I mean, I, and, and, and also if you look at the history of the industry here in Napa Valley, there's still some wonderful women that are very much involved. Emma Swain, uh, Kathy Corison, Donine Dyer. I still interact with them on a regular basis. Beth Novak. I mean, there's, there are a lot of people that are still helping mentor
1: the, the, new, the new crop, if you will. Right. Top moment of your career
2: so far. Oh, Wow. I would say top moment has more to do with the industry allowing opportunities that are just so incredible, like travel, uh, friendships that were forged over my last 30 years that still exist. I mean, I, I have friends in a lot of countries. Just because the travel is so unique. There's not a competitive edge per se. It's more collective desire to... Share in what we do. Again, it's an ag product, so it's not it's not something where necessarily you have the better factory and that's going to make the difference. It's really it's very much a passion driven thing. So, top moments, I, I don't ever have one. I'm not a very reflective. I'm not a rear view mirror type person. I'm very present in the moment. So, I would say what I'm most blessed for is I still live in Napa Valley. And I've been able to raise my sons in Napa Valley. And my family is still here. And so, again, I think a lot of people, their careers move them to a lot of different places. And I have deep roots here. And that feels good. So if that's an answer to your question.
1: Okay. You are in a leadership role here at Baldacci. How are you influencing this brand or putting your mark on this brand?
2: Well, for sure, just to be straight up, I am the grandma here.
1: So everybody
2: <laughs> everybody on our staff is well under the age of 40. Right. So I think my natural inclination to be a mentor and an educator is well matched here at this brand. And I think my fingerprint on everything is to just remain authentic and try not to be Distracted by all the new things that our industry and, in particular, the Napa Valley always try to throw our way, so the Baldacci family, Tom and Michael, specifically, this this level of authenticity resonates well with them too. So sometimes, sometimes the most tried and true, everyday on the surface, humdrum, mundane thing is actually new to a lot of. people that are guests in particular. So I, I think my contribution is just to say, let's just stay the course. Let's do the things that we know are foundationally successful in our industry and try not to be pivoted,
1: pinballed all over the place. I think there's a lot of truth to what you just said. On the heels of what you just said, when someone comes here, what can they expect? What are the takeaways that you hope your guests experience, whether it be the wines, the hospitality? We are delighted that most of the people that find us are
2: coming via testimonials and and mostly through our social media presence so when people arrive, they already have they've been queued up to expect a an experience that really does speak to our three pillars of the brand really family owned and operated estate grown grapes and a focus on single vineyard, a hundred percent Cabernet Sauvignon. So we've done a lot of the heavy lifting just through the word of mouth. And so when people arrive, it's just a fun way to polish up on that. And so I think when, and to, to be transparent, so we are very small in the last three weeks, we've all as a company have gone through, the craziness of COVID and staff out. So I've been in the tasting room. I've, I, you know, my role here, well, it has a definition of general manager. It, it really means nothing. It just means lean in, get whatever needs to be done. So it's always nice for me to be over in the estate house hosting guests, just asking what brought them here, what they're after, what they've experienced elsewhere in the Napa Valley. And I think we offer a perspective due to the Baldacci family's, view and vision of wine because Tom's family has a long egg history in the eastern part of the Bay Area I don't know if you're familiar with like Clayton or there was a lot of farming land that was in his family so so wine is really not supposed to be this pinkies up thing that you have to have a very specific vocabulary to discuss it's it's more to evoke an emotional mm-hmm. reaction. And so we try or invoke an, an emotional reaction. And so we try hard to make a setting where people can experience the wine, not just from the couple of senses. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? But what is it? what does it feel like to be here? Does Do you feel like you're in a family-owned business? And so do you feel like you're in a space that the product, you can see where it comes from. It's not some ephemeral, abstract kind of a thing. It's like you look out the window, and you go, oh, wow, that's where that came from. And then what I really love about our team here, and I think it just speaks well to how collaborative we all are. We've had the same people for over a year now, all in the hospitality side and marketing and everywhere. And it's been great to find people's, Passion within the industry. So, we offer curated tastings that are really a reflection of each of our hosts' passion So, we have a taste like a psalm. Diana's a W set three, and so she's really devoted to being a master psalm. We've got Andres, who does a behind the cellar door. He's born and raised in Napa. His family's always been on the production side. John, who does food, John Lombardo, and then Quinn Craft, who has also been very involved with just hospitality and making people feel non-intimidated, non-threatened. And then we have a couple of newbies. We have an intern from CIA, Teddy White, who's just brought a lot of really... Great perspective on how food and wine come together and how that's enjoyed. And Phoebe, her father is one of the best wholesale wine brokers in the state. And so she kind of grew up thinking it too. But they're all super young, which I love.
1: <laughs> they bring a lot of energy. They right? do.
2: They bring in so much energy and they bring in, again, perspective maybe that the average guest coming to the property wouldn't necessarily find in another winery. Right. You know, it's a, it's a very diverse group, but... Again, I think when people leave, they feel like, wow, I really visited somebody's family. And even the decor of our property is very much kind of just a nice family Mm -hmm. type of a space.
1: It is very much so. Very much so. So on that family theme, family-owned, let's talk about that. What do you think the future of family-owned wineries, and we'll, we'll keep it to Napa Valley, is? there's so many that are getting gobbled up i hate it i know but you also have to recognize
2: like my parents i mean at some point maybe the ownership structure was prohibitive to pass on to the next generation duckhorn was owned by 25 families so there needed to be a succession story and exit strategy i think again i know i'm not a big rearview mirror so sometimes for things to remain the same things have to change and i think the future of family-owned and operated wineries in napa valley it's just going to come down to what is the best outcome for that family and again using duckhorn i would say still many people don't know that duckhorn is not still family-owned so that i think it, true i think it matters a lot to how the ethos of the company is and what what the next chapter looks like but i will say if you have a next generation, it doesn't have to be linear, but like Wente family, which has mm-hmm. cousins and things. Sure. If you have the capacity to, or many of the properties, there's a great article on this out of wineries in Oregon and how to do the next year. It was in wine business monthly. I think, I think that's going to be the success story. So we have Michael Baldacci and he's as committed as committed can be. He's been here since 2012 He's not trained as a winemaker formally, but boy, does he have the right ingredients. He loves what he does. He's very artistic, but he also has an amazing palate. So I think if you're a small winery and you have some ability to identify your legacy, your succession plan, and even more importantly, if it can come either through maybe a great handshake with a non-family winemaker, member winemaker or something like that, you'll be fine you'll be fine.
1: But I, I personally love that multi-generational family-owned business. To me, they are the founding families. They are the heart and soul of the, of the industry. They're the pioneers that saw vision and determination to start making wine. They're family continued that on and i don't know i just really find that those families are extra special to me
2: well that's kind and i think that just there is some sense of continuity that comes from that generational aspect but, but I, I, i'm much more open mind I, I not that you're not open minded, but I'm, i just you know all businesses have a moment of what the next step is right?
1: and if there's no one in your family that wants to take it over clearly you have to come up with a different plan i I understand that (laughs) so i mean you know it doesn't work for every family
0: it doesn't learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com
1: let's go to your personal life what town in the napa valley do you live in
2: Ah, I live in Angwin. Do you know where that is? Yes, of course
1: I do, silly girl. <laughs> well that's good to hear.
2: Not everybody knows. I've had I've lived in the exact same home since nineteen ninety one. Wow. And I love the Angwin community.
1: Yeah. It's it's a super little community up there. So if we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What is your decorating style?
2: Lazy cats would be the first thing you would see. <laughs> okay. And it just seems like it's not that I'm. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I like cats. I do. I I adore cats. But it's not something that I. Am do you passionate have about.
1: cats, really? Yeah, I do have okay. three. And I mean, <laughs> okay.
2: again, they they show up. Let's just leave it at that. It's a it's a type of area where feral cats are rampant. So we just we have cats. Oh right, and we mm-hmm. have three right now. Uh, the winery here tripped upon a feral mother and three kittens about six weeks ago. It crossed my mind to be a seven cat owner, but then I thought, no, that's crazy. So the four are still here and they're happily ensconced over at the red barn. The other thing you would notice about my home again, there's a little backstory to all this. So I bought a home in 1991 that was built in the forties, wonderful house, two bedroom, one bath owned actually by Kirk and Lynn grace from grace family vineyards. We all grew up together and Three years after the purchase, 1995, four years, a tree went through it and just took it to the, took it to the subfloor. So I raised my sons on my own and I've spent the last 25 years just enjoying a more cottage style home. It's got some land, which is great, mm-hmm. but you had asked me this earlier, my decor, let's just say that functional, I would say my, my decor style is functional. Functional.
1: Okay, predominant color, just like here, uh, like an anti
2: cream, yeah, uh, very neutral. Okay, very neutral. neutral. Yep, yeah, very okay. neutral. Hardwood floors, not a carpet to be found. Hardwood floors and tiles. Very hot in Angwin, so it's nice to never. I and I don't. I'm not a big carpet person, so no, I don't like
1: carpet either. When you kick back and relax. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, that's easy. I We have Spotify
2: at the house. And so I'm really happy to just let Spotify serve me up something. So I might start with, well, it depends on the mood. Uh, and my I, my husband and I, my current husband right now, we do a lot of driving for travel. I mean, just that's kind of our thing. We just came back from a big loop to... Steamboat Springs, Jackson back. So we'll listen to it. Probably just rock would be the best, but I, I, I actually like really hard rock too. um, partial to queen. I like that kind of, oh, you know, so I'll throw that on. And, right. But I'm also really open-minded to serve me up something. So the black keys, uh, I tripped across through some, whatever, and even been enjoying that genre. And so I, I'm pretty, I'm not very specific. I, Country would be the place I never go, though. Don't do country.
1: Okay. Hard rock. Yeah. Queen. Yeah. You're happy. Yes. Okay. Other than uh, Belladacci wine, of course, we're in wine country, but other than Belladacci wine, at home, what do you like to drink? Are you a wine girl or do you like the occasional beer or cocktail? I'm going to be a real downer.
2: My, we don't drink much. So my husband's been sober for 20, almost 30 years. Okay. So, but here's what I do love. And this is be my go-to thing. A really crisp, white wine. Bone dry. That That's, if I had to, it doesn't matter what time of year, what time of day. That's something that I almost start salivating for. Okay. Beer, eh, you know, if it my... Older boy was a brewer at Lagunitas so for seven years. So I, I, I've come to really enjoy super hoppy beers, mm-hmm. and that can be very thirst-quenching. But really, and I never, we never do spirits. So I do love, a, and I like any varieta of crisp, dry white wine. So I'm agnostic on origin. <laughs> Fastidious about vintage, though. Can't be more than a year out. So 2021s, I'm really loving right now. 2020 maybe.
1: And your free time. What's that? Yeah, I know. I don't have any of that. But I'm asking you. (laughs) I'm hoping that you do. (laughs) Do you have a hobby? Do you play a sport? Do you collect something? I
2: love to hike. And I'm on the board of the Land Trust. And so one of the things I'm really grateful for is being able to be out on a lot of their mm-hmm. lands and be part of that conservation effort here in the Valley. So I love to hike. I do make time every day to do some exercise. I mean, so if that's a hobby, I guess you would say, and it's not because I'm trying to be anything. It's just more, it's a time to unwind mm-hmm. and really not think I spend a lot of my day thinking. So it's great to just, and I'm a morning person, love to wake up super early, like at five and be exercising at six. Wow. So, yeah, because I've, I'm a... It's really hard at the end of the day. When I come home, so I like to... Un- I love to read. I read all kinds of stuff. I, do you
1: read for pleasure or for work? Both. No. I lo- I do like... I have a hard time reading for pleasure.
2: I know. Sometimes it's challenging. Here's a little... I, I somehow... So the... B-level porn Bridgerton. I, I, I really got into the books though. And so I will read that type of stuff for pleasure or something that's much more thought provoking. I like, I like historical fiction if, if I had to pick a genre, but I am always reading things like I love the North Bay business journal. I read a lot of different newspaper articles. Again, I'm pretty open to a lot of different subjects. I feel like that's where I can get some great marketing ideas mm. is looking
1: at just all kinds of oh, things. Yeah. I have problems in that category. I get plenty of ideas.
2: Oh, I know. That. But there's a lot out there. There's yeah, a lot. of. I'm not into social media on any level. Have no. Well, I guess I do have accounts, but please don't do anything <laughs> with them because I never check them. So
1: you alluded to that you love to travel. I do. Is there a meaningful trip that you can tell us about?
2: Well, as we all know, the pandemic mm, kind of squashed yeah. a lot of things.
1: I It is
2: shocking that I have not been on an airplane since 2019.
1: Really?
0: You have
2: not? I have not. No. And I was probably flying almost every other month for most of my life. So, but I think I love, I, my last or most recent really fun trip was visiting my son who was living out of a van in New Zealand. Oh. And so we went down and spent three weeks and it was a wonderful country. If you haven't been to New Zealand, I, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, that's a good thing. And also the wine community there was really interesting. So new and yet so based on all the tenets of great wine. So it wasn't like weird varietals or anything like that. It just It was, oh, I loved everything about New Zealand. So that's the last big trip that I've done other than a bunch of domestic driving trips. Right. But okay. done that. A lot in the last three years Sedona if you haven't been to oh, Sedona, I love Sedona I really we went in March it was a great time of year it snowed on us but it was super fun again I'm always motivated by places to hike and be outdoor the last trip to Jackson I loved a kayak so we have a Andy and I my husband and I have a two-person inflatable I paddle he fishes off the back so Jenny Lake if you've never been there extraordinary exquisite
1: have you ever kayaked around here?
2: I have. So Lake Hennessy is oh, a favorite, do? yes. Mm-hmm. I, to be candid, I haven't really done much on the Napa River. Uh, when it's really warm because of the proximity mm-hmm. to Lake Berryessa from Angwin, right. we'll just throw the boat in the car and drive out at 7 at night and do a picnic paddle out on the lake so i yeah no, I love i'd be being talking the water. To about that okay <laughs> oh, <good.
1: laughs> Okay, we're gonna wrap things up with five quick questions they're very light-hearted what is your favorite flower Ooh, calla lily okay what kind of car do you drive
2: second subaru crosstrek okay. standard transmission though second tra- standard transmission
1: good girl what's your favorite holiday how about, can
2: I say none?
1: You don't like holidays? I mean, I like them, but I prefer
2: gathering for more organic reasons. Sometimes holidays, to me, it feel oblig—no, oh, obligatory. Oh. Whereas we do family gatherings spontaneously. W- one of our favorite things to do is go out to Tomales Bay, mm-hmm. grab oysters from Hog Island, and just gather. Right, okay. So sorry.
1: Okay, well, that could be your holiday. There you go. Okay who is one of your favorite actors don't watch movies how about Hugh Jackman okay there you go and who would you invite to join you at your dream dinner
2: wow maybe Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody that's just
1: very has a lot of different interests Kelly you've been way too much fun Likewise. This is one of my best podcasts ever. (laughs) Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks again
0: for coming to me. Visit WineCountryWomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.